I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Jerry Bovey, Interim Athletic Director at Utah State. Jerry, how are you? Hey, Jerry. I'm great. It's good to talk to you both. Oh, you don't mean that, but we appreciate I it. I do with you two. <laughs> I'm happy. The sun's out in Vegas today. We have conference meetings going on, so we have to be quick because I don't know if we'll get voted out while I'm out of the room. Oh, well, <laughs> in this day and age, you never know what's going to happen if you if you close your if you blink for a moment. It's fast and loose out there. Correct. What are, that is correct. What what goes? What are those meetings? What are some of the issues and and things? Obviously, you can, I know you can't get into details on too much, but in a general sense, what what what's the main topic of conversation right now? We've talked a lot about conference alignment. That's a hot topic. There's, as you know, everyone's waiting on the TV deal with the Pac-12 to see how that will reverberate throughout the membership. So that's that's what we talk about. And then we've broken out now. We've been with the presidents this morning, and we talk about everything from what you're doing to keep your trainers in place to what are you feeding student athletes to you know um, a myriad of other issues like that on a daily basis that we tangle with. Jerry, I'm interested in, you know, the interim labels still hanging there. What What's the search like and how are things going as you're kind of in this in limbo moment as Hartwell leaves and, and you take that? How's the search? How's the potential hire? How are you feeling about things? Uh, hands, I'm, I, I grew up in Ogden. I, I'm not smart enough to spend too much time on control, so we're on the things that we can't control and the presidential search is going i mean everything with regard to the athletics director position will will be in a holding pattern until uh, we get a president which I, I still believe the committee is on board to get that done in the spring with a, a potential start date being around the start of our budget year which is july 1 so and then we'll see where it goes from there i i just I get hit about this every game night from 10 to 12 different fans saying what's going on. And I tell them, I'm not that worried about it. Don't you be, I can't control it. So we're just going, I'm certainly not um, sitting in this position as some do in an interim role where they're just kind of keeping the lights on and holding things in place until a new leader's there. Uh, you know, I expect to be that person. And if not, I'll go back into the deputy role and help Utah state. I'm committed to this place. I, I'm an alum, and I love it, and I want to see it through.
thrive. So I don't spend a lot of time on that. It, it's a reality of where we're at right now. And, and so on a daily basis, we're just acting as though there is no interim title, and I'm working. Appreciate that perspective, Jerry. Thanks. Jerry yeah. Bo- Jerry Bovey joining us right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, so this basketball season has just been a tremendous ride for Ryan Odom's crew. And by the way, congratulations to Stephen Ashworth, uh, named to the first team, and Dan Akin, uh, named sixth man of the year. But there was a little bit of adversity, and this team has all of a sudden reeled off five in a row. They're back into the uh, bubble conversation. Just what has this ride been like for you and this university and this basketball team uh, in putting together a really tremendous season? It's been great. I mean, my wife has to continually try to settle me down on game nights. I feel a little bit like Billy Bean sometimes where I'm walking around. I go into my office. I uh, I have a hard time sitting still. I'm the AD with ADD, <laughs> which I'm finding that a lot of my peers in this industry have that gift and ability to spin a bunch of plates at one time. But it's been fun. Um, you know, I think we went through a, a stretch there where we had to figure out how to buy without Ryan Jones at the point. And, and cr- credit to to Stephen Ashworth to be able to kind of go back and forth between point guard, shooting guard. He's just made it work. He's a resilient kid, and I should say man. Um, he's a great man, and uh, it's been a pleasure to watch him come together. Coach Odom keeps him, you know, calm down. He's a calming influence. It doesn't get too high with the highs or too low with the lows, and I appreciate that quality he has. But it's been it's been a lot of fun. I think back to my athletic directors and the the role they played, and I had some great relationships with um, our athletic directors, whether it was Val Hell or Rondo Felberg, some great, great men. And I always wondered how invested they were in wins or if they took certain wins a certain way. I got to imagine in the spectrum an opportunity to, to – uh, uh, get a little revenge against Boise State and the way they beat Boise State, that had to rank pretty high for you as an athletic director. It did. I mean, we're all competitive hands, and and so we, you know, it's a different role you play as an athletics director, but you're still invested in it. You're invested in the kids. Um, I'm one, you know, in my 10 years at Weber State, I, I dove into the student-athlete experience because I'm still – the Pollyanna that believes that's what this is all about, as well as, you know, all the other stakeholders that have a piece or a part to play in our industry. But it starts and ends for me with the student athlete experience. If you don't have that and you're not invested in what their experience is, then your culture really doesn't get off the ground. Um, So yeah, we're we're involved in it emotionally and, and whatever else, but we also have to kind of maintain a, 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 you know, I'm I'm flying at thirty thousand feet, and coaches kind of fly at ten thousand feet, clipping the treetops along the way. And so, you got to kind of keep your emotions in check. I don't subscribe to this notion of keeping your arms folded and never cheering. I mean, I, I, I'm a Utah State guy, so I'm going to cheer for our teams. But you don't yell at officials and get involved, you know, like the fanatic fan does. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It, it's rewarding, and you know. Again, I, I think if you don't get too high with the highs or too low with the lows, you can navigate a career in this business and, and be successful. So you hit on something that I think is really important about you know the experience of the player. And in this day and age, and, and when I say this, I'm not – this isn't derogatory towards any individual player, but there's a lot of there, – there are players out there that are looking at where they go to school as a business decision in terms of NIL, who's going to pay me the most. Uh, and – 
I've I've had a chance to chat with Taylor Funk a lot. He started his career at St. Joe's, hit the transfer mm-hmm. portal. He had opportunities to go to Michigan. Uh, a lot of schools that were willing to just hand over a lot of money to him. He goes to Utah State, and I know you guys have a collective, and you guys are able to help out a little bit, but probably not to the same number that some of these other schools. And he said, look, I just wanted to go somewhere where there's a good culture, where I felt like I was playing basketball to fit my style and felt fit my game. How difficult is it for coaches to find those players when there's a lot of players that actually probably start a conversation with, like, how much are you going to give me? Yeah, I think it's very difficult. Um, but when you find the right kind of kid that, that is realizes where they are in life, there will be time to make money, uh, you know, in your whole career. I mean, I tell college students, enjoy your experience. Get to games. Do all the things that you can do as a college student because there will be a time when your life will be different. And I think that holds true in, in the game of being a student athlete. Yes, there is more money to be made. And for those student athletes that that's their goal – then they have an opportunity to go and and do that. We're in a situation where we don't have those kind of resources. And frankly, our fan base isn't interested in funding um, to the degree that they might be at at certain power five schools. They're not, they're not in a position where they feel like they want to fund that. That's not the, the, the way that collegiate athletics is supposed to go. Um, I have no issues with NIL with name, image and likeness. I, I feel like we missed the boat in the NCAA um, for years, not allowing student athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness. But there's a difference in my mind between the NIL space and then just the pay for play. And we, we can say that's not what it is, but that's what it is. And I don't think that's sustainable. And so we're taking a little different approach at Utah State. And we hope that when all this is done, that we've got our ladder uh, leaning against the, the right place. I think there's a bubble that will burst, just like it did in the housing market in 2007, and and we'll see where that all plays out. And, and we'll settle in on a place, I think, in the industry where it's more palatable. But right now, it, it is the wild, wild west, and we're just trying to navigate that. But, when, but you, you can find those kids out there that do want to have an experience. They want to they play their sport and have an opportunity uh, to get their education and prepare for their future. And, and by and large, these are kids that may not be professional in their sport. But they're going to be professional in something, and we have a responsibility in the industry to provide those opportunities for them. So I, I tend to be more old school in that approach, and, and you know, maybe in the end I'll be seen as a Pollyanna that didn't get it. But I, I feel like we're in the right place with what we're trying to do at Utah State. Well, Jerry, we've got spring ball coming up here pretty quickly, just a couple of weeks away, and Utah State's gone through some coordinating transitions, and I'm excited to see how that plays out. Aggies in spring ball, Aggies coming into the 2023 season. Give us just a brief look at how your expectations of this group that's going to be taking the field here in a couple weeks. Yeah, I I think we're going to see a bit more excitement on offense. Uh, Coach Anderson is planning to to take more of a role on the offensive side, and that's where he spent the majority of his time in his career. So I'm excited to see – how that'll all come together uh, defensively. I think we're in a, a really good place with who we've brought in and and where he's put the pieces in place. So I think you're going to see a style of play that maybe goes back to that championship year that we that we experienced in the LA Bowl in the Mount West Conference two years ago. And I expect to see a very uh, high octane offense that's going to, you know, that's what fans want to see when they come to watch football games is 
an offense that can air it out and, and also grind it out when you need to on the ground. But I, I think we're going to see more of that uh, that we saw two years ago uh, just after COVID when we were able to win the championship and go to the L.A. Bowl. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Jerry Bovey, Interim Athletic Director at Utah State, right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Um, how do you, again, kind of go back to the first part where you talked about alignment, the Pac-12 and all that stuff. How do you stay focused through all this? Because we've talked to a lot of people that are really knee-deep in these conversations, and they don't even know what's going on. There's so many winds of change out there. How How is it to try to stay grounded and realize you know, that you can only focus on the things that you can control and not get caught up in all the noise out there? Well, I think part of it, Scotty, is is coming from the aspect of are you aligned with those institutions that view the world a little bit more like you do, realizing that, I mean, when it's all said and done, we all have to do what's best for our school, for our fan base, our contingency, our stakeholders. For us in the Mountain West Conference, it's about branding, too. I mean, right now in basketball, our, our league is rated um, above the Pac-12 and the ACC as far as strength of the conference so it's about not not leaving who you really are and investing in that i've always maintained that you're only as strong as your weakest team and we're seeing that in the mountain west this year as as the level of play in men's basketball has gone up our our weakest team is getting better and so your opportunities to get multiple teams into the conference or into the ncaa tournament grows um so a lot of that is making sure that, you know, when the music stops, you've got a seat at the at the party and you're aligning yourself with those that see the world a little bit like you do and, and that you can come together on. I, I, there's so much riding right now on a TV deal in the Pac-12, and you could see if that, if that doesn't come in, because it is about paying those bills, uh, if that doesn't come in where they feel it like it should, you could see some schools even in our state jump into other leagues where the consistency is there. And right now there could be a void in the West. So I think we're all, you know, we've got San Diego State in the room um, and and they're being talked about as a potential Pac-12 institution. You you just kind of hope that when the music stops, that's the right play for you. I, I feel strongly about the Mountain West Conference and what it does for us. It's regional play. That's what it was intended to be when the NCA first instituted uh, back in the first part of the century, and and I still believe in that. You know, um, a couple years ago, Boise State had an opportunity to go to the Big East, and that just wasn't going to be manageable. It might be in football uh, because you charter everywhere, but what about all your other sports that are traveling five hours on a plane to get to league games? It's just not sustainable in the long run. So I think we're in a good place in the Mountain West to see what we can be um, but there's going to be movement in the near future, and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. In, in your experience, Jerry, with athletic directors and presidents of universities that sit in a conference, how much on the same page are they? How how closely connected are they? Do you typically know the thought processes and the angles and the agendas of the other schools that sit in a conference? 
Yeah, to some degree, Hans. I mean, everyone holds their cards a little close to the vest uh, because you have to do that to make sure that you're being true to your institution. But we're in a meeting today where we're getting into the weeds on some of the challenges that we're all facing. And, and really, unless we have the trust to to talk about those things and how we can improve, um, you know, it all falls apart. So there are moments in a year where you get together and, and you, you know, you, you bring down all the formalities that you usually have to deal with, with the media or with your donor base. And you just get into the weeds on how are we going to keep this thing going? Because at the end of it all, uh, there's money that has to be paid to play our games. And the money comes from your tickets, your revenue sources that, that have always been there that have to be extended out and we're all in the same boat. Even at the power five level, their budgets may be bigger because of the TV money that's coming in, but we typically like most families in America spend what we get. And so how do you uh, show the leadership with your coaches and your staff to make sure that you're putting those resources into the areas that bring a return on the investment and in the end um, help you to get wins and, and have a good experience for your kids. So, yeah, there are times in a year when you can sit in room with your peers and, and be honest. For the most part, we're all we're all trying to protect our house, and so it is an interesting relationship of trust that you have to have with your peers. And presidents will come into the equation with a, a completely different mindset and and area and perspective that they're coming from. So, being able to sit in the room this morning with our presidents and have honest conversations, I think, is really healthy. So this year, and you mentioned the strength of the Mountain West Conference in basketball this year, uh, obviously you, San Diego State, Boise State, uh, Nevada, uh, UNLV. Um, I mean, there's been so many great storylines. San Jose State coming from out of nowhere to uh, finish with a bye in the first round, and they've got the coach of the year and the player of the year, and it's really been remarkable to see what they've done. So is this um, – how do you – how does a conference do – you continue to build on this and make this a perennial three, four, five bid league every year. I know that might be a bit much to ask for, but I mean, frankly, with the talent level that's in this conference and watching it night in and night out, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, and you didn't even mention, I don't think, New Mexico. Uh, so, so the strength of our conference has grown. On any given night, anything can happen. You know, Nevada was making a run earlier in the year, and they've lost a few down the stretch to you know, to teams like Wyoming that was picked to win our league and are currently in, in last place due to some injuries and, and different things. So really, uh, we, we've talked today about how our revenue streams in the, from the conference level are shared. Uh, we have an academic um, uh, dollar figure that comes now through APR. Do you share that? Do you, uh, do you allow those that earn it to get it? And it seems to be that at the top of the food chain, the more you can share um, your revenues where you can as a conference, the better. I mean, we all have to uh, continue to do our part to get better. And so then the question will come up, well, how do you hold everybody account- accountable to their investments? Well, you really have to do that on the front end when you allow uh, growth in your conference and who you allow in. You've got to vet that out and make sure that they're aligned with what you're trying to do. But it seems to me like those conferences that have been most successful are figuring out ways to bring their weaker teams up so that everybody, there's parity uh, as you go into your conference play or your your championship events uh, with the NCAA or in the football realm. The, the more parity there is with your conference, it seems to be the, the better overall that you're going to be. And as you look at the SEC, that's really how they're building it. 
Well, we could talk all day, Jerry. Always, all day, man. always appreciate you hanging out with us. Really fun conversation. Look forward to seeing you down in Vegas, and uh, hopefully, we're talking about a Mountain West Conference championship coming up on Saturday. Thanks, Jerry. Yep. Thank you. It's good to talk to you both. Uh, go Aggies. There you go, Jerry Bovey, interim athletic director at Utah State, right here on ninety-seven-five EKSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.